0: It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at wfpk.org, from Louisville Public Media.
1: Hooray! Sorry for being late.
2: Consequence Podcast Network. And Welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with It's the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org Consequence and the Consequence Podcast Network Thanks as always for making your way here and checking out the series You know what to do, like what you see, what you hear Hit that subscribe button I put out uh, three new interviews every single week New one every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So it's a great way to keep up with your favorite artists and discover some new ones at iTunes and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podchaser, NPR, WFPK.org, YouTube for the video versions, or anywhere you get your podcasts from. I'm Kyle O'Meara. Today, my guest, David Roundtree. Going to be talking to the Blur drummer about his debut solo album, uh, one that uh, has songs that hit on keeping relationships alive as a touring musician, confirmed bias in pattern recognition uh, making friends with machines and also how his work in film scores finds its way into the music now of course we're also going to discuss the upcoming blur reunion how that came together and the potential for new music from the brit pop legends all that and more we're talking radio songs it's kyle meredith with david roundtree hi how you doing congratulations on this man what a fantastic listen this has been
1: thank you thank you that's very kind
2: what a time for this to come out as well and 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 we're going to talk about a lot of things I think in this but but here we have the announcement that you've done your very first radio uh, your very first solo album this comes after your stint in politics and right before there's a Blur reunion how's things going right now how, how are you feeling
1: <laughs> well these things always collide no matter how far how, how how much effort you put into spacing them out they always collide with one another and uh, it, you know the limiting factors really have been there's still a massive great post-Brexit delay in pressing vinyl. And we thought long and hard about whether we should just go, oh, well, whatever, you know, we'll we'll release it, release the vinyl later and it'll all sort itself out, or whether to wait and release everything together. And we decided to wait and release everything together uh back when there was a kind of six-month delay. And then by the time we had all of our bits together, there was a nine-month delay. So, you know, this has been ready for a while. And could had we not taken that decision, um, could have been released quite a bit earlier. But um yeah, the blur thing, you know, we've just recently announced some big blur shows. It didn't seem to me very likely that they were going to happen up until a couple of weeks before they were announced. It's all it's very difficult to Again, post-Brexit and with the political situation, you know, Russia's, you know, inflation of oil prices and all of that, everything kind of, and with the pandemic, everything's kind of conspired to make it very, very difficult to put gigs on at the moment. So for one reason or another, it didn't seem to me it was very likely that that was going to happen. And all of a sudden it was happening, you know, we, (laughs) we announced it. But uh, anyway, so the album's out in January, and the tour doesn't start until I think probably June will be the first gigs. I don't be unlikely to be able to get do anything before
2: that. So uh,
1: it's yeah, it'll be a, it'll be a busy and interesting year.
2: Yeah, that's um, I I'll jump ahead. You've got this thong, song called "A Thousand Miles" uh, on on this new album, and it's it's beautiful song. I feel like that's really starting to 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 become more of a reality once again. What what this song kind of sings about
1: yeah it's about the difficulties really of keeping a relationship going from a distance which a lot a lot of people um suffer from those from that problem you know not just musicians it's about the particular instance of me leaving to write the song actually leaving house leaving home to write the song with a, a friend of mine hogni an icelandic musician and just on the way out the door, I've I've contrived to have an argument with my girlfriend, which is just just awful, because it just means, you know, you don't get to resolve it until you come back home again. It was just terrible. I meant the the whole uh, the whole writing session was kind of overshadowed by, you know, the sort of feeling in the pit of your stomach of oh God, everything's, you know, God, what are we gonna do? You know. So of course, inevitably, the words were about that too. You know, so actually, it's actually worked out quite well. So, make a make a, a point of having an argument on the way out of the door every time I go to write a song with somebody, the cleaner, or you know, <laughs> a mother-in-law, or anybody really. You, if you're available, just, always you available.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I was going to ask if your lesson was learned, but um, maybe it was just not the way that I, that I was expecting it to be. <laughs> yeah even I am
1: not usually stupid enough to have an argument on the way out of the door. That was a new low even for me.
2: <laughs> well, let's see. <laughs> um so here we are and again, you know for, for all the things that you do in your life and and you're what I guess would used to be called the, the, a Renaissance type of fella uh, with all your ear your, your hand and different things but but to just do a solo album, I mean you're an accomplished musician. When did you decide to what what is the journey to you going all right now it's time to do this i guess i've I've always been a songwriter that's something that's always interested me um
1: but what happened was i suppose my it takes a it takes a bit of self confidence to think I know what i'll do I'll release a record on my own that's the kind of and you know i've been I, I have got so used to being the drummer in the band. You know, I didn't start out as being the drummer in the band, but you know, I've, I'm so used to being in that role with Blur. Really, I kind of didn't really have the self confidence to do it and to sort of do anything with my songs. And it wasn't until the I, I started writing film scores and TV scores some time ago. I don't know when well, I was seven or eight years ago now, I suppose. And that that really took off, and that gave me the kind of musical confidence again to think actually why don't i do something with these songs but um i would probably still nothing would have happened were it not for covid and the lockdowns really because you know my film career had taken off and i was pretty much busy all the time doing that so it would have been a you know it would have been another sort of half finished project no doubt among my millions of half finished projects but uh yeah the the second lockdown in particular the, 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 the film industry had pretty much ground to a halt, you know, there were no, there were no films being made, no scores being written. And uh, I'd got this recording studio in my house, just sort of sitting there doing nothing, you know, I was sitting in it noodling, kind of frustrated. And my friend Leo, who uh, we had resolved to do some work together, found himself in a similar position. And we thought, well, we had actually thought, well, let's let's put some time aside to to start this record. And then, of course, the lockdown had happened and kiboshed that. So um, we were both stuck in our studios, looking for looking for something to keep us out of mischief. And we thought, all right, we'll 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 just let's. There's plenty of preparatory work that you can do before you actually start recording. You know, putting sessions in order and kind of some editing and sort of uh, you know converting converting uh, played instrumental lines into midi so you can replay them through other instruments all that kind of thing we'll just we'll just start doing all of that and six weeks later the album was finished you know it turned out to be a ruthlessly efficient way of working we're both kind of fluent in how studios work so had we had i not been it probably wouldn't have been as successful but uh you know we, we were actually found it was fairly obvious what needed to be done we you know we both understood the vision of where the thing was going and uh you know, it meant we could work at double speed. Really, we divided up the tasks in the morning, you know, over our cups of coffee, and uh, ploughed on throughout the day. Swapped files back and forwards as we did them, and uh, it all worked really, really well. So, I'm not sure I would do it again. It was the well, you know, you get the ruthless efficiency, but you don't get the sitting in the same room, bouncing ideas off each other. But that's the kind of that's the bit that I missed out of the whole process. So, uh, you know, but for for the phases, and there are many in a, in a project where work just needs to be done, you know, it's, it's kind of, uh, it, it's a really efficient way of doing it. So some kind of
2: hybrid process on the next one, I think would really work. And we'll be right back, right after this. Shout out to uh, Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Uh, I I live in Kentucky, in the Midwest, and allergies, yeah, I suffer. When I say I suffer from allergies, I suffer from allergies. And around here, everyone I know deals with allergies to some degree. And for a long time, I thought it was just something that I would have to live with, which is a real problem um, for anything, but especially when you're a radio host. It affects my voice. It affects my mood. It affects everything. And I feel like I've tried, every, I've tried all the medicines. Some of them work better than others, but there's, there's never a perfect one out there, especially because some of them take forever to actually work and some of them don't work at all. And then there's Astapro, the fastest solution to nasal allergy symptoms. Welcome back. It's Kyle Meredith with David Roundtree. It's interesting because it's almost like the romance is taken out of what we would traditionally think of songwriting, yet the romance is still in the songs. Um, and I mean that in a broad sense, but but even like, <clears throat> you know, hearing you talk about the film scores, I guess I'm not surprised when there are, are moments on here that really sound emblematic of that. Uh, HK is a great example. Uh, even downtown, those ethereal sounds are sort of happening in, in there is that just a natural thing for you? Or did you see the two worlds? I mean, when you talk about, you know, knowing what the story and the vision of this record is going to be, how much of that is part of it?
1: Well, it's kind of inevitable, really, I think that that was going to be a big influence on the sound of the record. Not least because that's what my recording studio is all about. You know, it hasn't got a drum kit in, it hasn't got a bank of guitars, you know, it has a it's basically got synthesizers in and percussion and and a lot of interesting ways of making sounds. That's what you're looking with for with film. You're not looking for a, a rock performance. You're looking for you know sensitivity, creativity, and you're looking for sounds that can convey emotion in an interesting way. And that's always the gig when you're writing film music. And so they're the instruments I have it was always going to it was always going to be a, a you know that was always going to be a massive influence on the sound but also um as i was writing the songs um which happened a, a couple of years before i started recording them you know um when i was writing them i was kind of, as you usually do i was sort of figuring out as i was going along what I, what it was i was trying to say and what it was i was trying to express you know and the radio songs idea came Um, fairly early on in the process um, because radio has been something that's influenced me in many ways not listening to pop music on the radio though that of course has been a big influence on me but radio technology and uh, it's been been a a big influence on my life um, as I say in many ways but uh, one thing that I've always thought was interesting was what goes on in between the stations you know there's static obviously in between the stations but also there's lots of other sound it's there for lots of other reasons, and so I've been, as, as well as songwriting, I've been flicking through the dials, collecting this sound. You know what I thought was the interesting parts of it, and uh, I used that as the basis for several of the songs for the kind of bed of them. You know, either actually just playing these sounds and seeing what other sounds worked with them, or cutting it up and using it as samples for various things. You know sort of drum samples or or all kinds of other stuff so um yeah that was the other reason why, why the you know the other kind of because there's it's not really a particular genre on this record but there is a there are threads behind, behind you know threads that run through it and i suppose that's the other thread really the, the sound in between the
2: stations i mean it, it almost works with like a like filled recordings in a way. And, I mean, and, and, you know, some of these sounds you're talking about, like I hear whispering on certain parts. Is that, is that samples or is that, or do you have someone else? Because there's also a female voice occasionally throughout this.
1: Yeah. There's two tracks with female voices on. One uh, is my co writer, Julia. She, she, it's a song about anxiety and kind of the voices in your head at four in the morning telling you you're an idiot and all your projects are going to fail. So, you know, I sang that, I sang the part of the voices in the head telling you're an idiot, and she sang the part of, you know, the rational you saying, no, 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 it's going to be fine, you know. So that was the kind of, that was tape measure, and that was what that song was about. The other one was, uh, 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 I found a, which was a, was it HK? Yes, it was HK. I found a a recording of a a woman on the internet and in... uh, in true 1960 style, I cut it all up and uh, and uh, made a new story out of what it was she was saying. And uh, then I got a, a, a singer friend of mine in to come in and recreate recreate it. So I didn't use, you know, I not want to use somebody's voice without that, but their permission. So I kind of recreated the sound of it. And yeah, it's a, it's a it's a love song really, but it's kind of the the love song is sort of buried a bit. So I, I won't go into too much detail of what it actually means, but uh, it's interesting when you know. The, often it's the it's the parameters within which you work. You know the limitations on uh, within which you work that can make interesting art. I think, and you know, cutting up somebody else's work and trying to make something new out of it is is one of those things that is quite interesting. You can't add words, you know. You can you can take them away and you can change the order of them, but the palette is the palette you know what What can you make out of that that's often quite an interesting kind of starting point
2: well it's a beautiful song uh in hk is uh, really one of my favorite moments on here and and hearing you talk about you know some of the stories like i find well i guess i find the story behind london bridge like really interesting because because here's something that you've explained where, like you started seeing the same numbers in various places and 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 i know there's a word for that and i'm dropping it right now but uh but it, i i start to think about the song seems, or maybe just you in the song, seems like there would be a great conflict of the the scientific part of you and what might be, for better lack of a term, the superstitious part of you, and and how they kind of collide. What what's going on there? Yeah,
1: it, it, you're right. It's kind of it, it. There are two times in my life where this is uh, where this has reared its ugly head. The first when I was young, I just started seeing a particular number everywhere. And, uh, you know, it was the number of a bus I used to catch. It was the number of the house I used to live at. And they're probably the, the two that put the idea in my head, that, you know, that kind of focused me on it. And then once I had the number in my head, I just started seeing it everywhere else. You know, there'd be on a door number I was walking past. It would be on the, you know, the end of a phone number that I was dialing. I would see it everywhere. And I knew what this, I knew what this was, a very famous psychological um phenomenon um that that means when you have uh, when you uh, have an idea things that reinforce that idea are visible to you and things that don't act, act against that idea are invisible to you you know, it's uh, it's one of the most studied phenomena in uh, in psychology, really, and it's uh, it's a kind of limitation that humans has have because humans are human brains are pattern recognizers, really, very very good at it, but wildly oversensitive, and so they'd rather because you know we're we're animals that uh, whose main defensive mechanism is to run away rather than to turn and fight. So that's what we're best at, and so we we see patterns. You know, we see the The face of the lion in the bush in the dusk, even when it's not there, we'd rather do that than miss a lion. We'd rather run away from some uh, illusion, illusory lions than miss a real lion and get eaten, you know, so um, these... The, the the pattern recognizer in me was pinging uh, over this number. And I knew that was what was going on. It didn't, the, the, the interesting thing for me, and when it happened the second time I was living in London with London Bridge, you know, I started seeing London Bridge there. There were kind of weird connections going on, you know, when, the, when I was near London Bridge, things would happen. However, when an odd thing happened, I wasn't near London Bridge. My brain didn't go, hang on. That counts against your London Bridge theory, doesn't it? You know, because that's (laughs) not how brains work. And again, I knew with London Bridge that was what was going on. And the interesting thing was, knowing what was going on didn't make the effect any less powerful. It was still happening, even though I knew it was just an odd trick of my psychology, an odd trick of human psychology, you know? So um, and that that knowledge that uh, something's going on with your brain knowing that something's going on with your brain is no, is no help in uh, stopping that happening came in much later when I, when I uh, started to suffer from poor mental health, you know, and I was aware that I was suffering from poor mental health and uh, you know, that, that all came home to me then. Oh yeah. Just knowing as I found out with London bridge and with the number when I was a kid, just knowing that just being, you know, even reading some self-help books and trying to, and tried to fix it myself. That ain't going to be any good because it's my brain that's doing the trickery. You know, the, it's the it's, the, it's the, trying to measure things with a broken ruler. You can't because the ruler's broken. You're by definition going to get a poor uh, a poor measurement. So that's kind of you know that was the you can't fit all of that into a three minute pop song, especially if you're going to have a keyboard solo in the middle you know so it's a rather distilled version of that really it's just talking about london bridge and kind of my change of change of heart uh when a kind of london bridge-esque things happened later in life and you know the change
2: of direction i took with, with all due respect to, to mental health and not playing light on that but like every now and then it's just kind of fun to play into it though like i was thinking of like your interest in space and the universe and we you know we have this Again, very scientific knowledge of that, but we also apply all of this magic, you know, knowing that maybe that's not part of it at all, but it sure is fun. I mean, you know, how, you know, how often do you just like give into it a little bit, though?
1: <laughs> well, it I'm not somebody, unfortunately, that's kind of cursed by it from day to day on a long-term basis. You know, I've, I've had several times in my life where it's been an issue, but uh, these days it isn't an issue. So I don't have to worry about it. But yeah, there's no kind of, you know, the thing about psychology is it's science. You The things that seem like magic to us usually seem like magic to us for quite a good reason. You know, magic itself. Why, when we watch a magician, why do we go, wow, that's amazing. That's just so wonderful. Rather than, well, there must be a string behind it, yanking it up, wasn't there? Why is that our reaction? It's a because, you know, of the way our psychology works. It's, again, it's something that's been quite well studied. And is very interesting. It explains a lot about why we are like we are. You know, why, when we watch a play, are we so willing to kind of uh, buy into the, to the conceit of the play? This takes place in a train carriage in 1846. I'm sorry, we're not in a train carriage in 1846. You know that should be the ordinary reaction of those people. They're not original clothes. You're not even speaking in the right accent. You know, <laughs> we don't do that. We all buy into it. We'll give of ourselves and we'll uh, we'll uh, we'll um, suspend disbelief. Is the uh, technical term, isn't it? Why are we so willing to do that? Why are we so willing to be suckered along by a... It, and it's to do with our love of story it's to do with the way we remember things it's to do with the way we process information it says a lot about who we are and, and why we uh, and and you know why we shape around the, the world around us in a particular way and it's actually quite interesting so you know you you can you can the the, the those sort of dual the dual nature of our perception of the world. Um, you don't have. There doesn't have to be any tension between the two. You know they can coexist quite happily but because of who we are, because of the way we're wired.
2: And we'll be right back right after this. I've never been this nervous in my life. Greetings from Longtime No See the podcast. Every week we'll be inviting two blindfolded comedians to answer a series of questions about their careers, lives, and opinions. Now let's remove those blindfolds and start the show. Ah! <laughs> What would your opening line with your celebrity crush be? Loved you in Harry Potter. (laughs) Worst date you've been on. A man bit my neck mole off once.
3: You did what? A man bit my neck mole off. Oh my God, Jack almost (laughs) fell off his chair.
2: Be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast. Welcome back. It's Kyle Meredith with David Roundtree. Interesting segue there into a song like uh, Machines Like Me. Because I feel like it really does kind of blend. Like what's going on in that song? Because again, I think this is one of my other... I've got a lot of favorites on this album. It's gonna, you know, depending on the day, kind of a thing right here. But this is one of the one I've really kind of centered in on lately.
1: Yeah. Well, I I used to, you know, I used to tell. I, as you can tell, I like telling stories. <laughs> telling stories is a fun thing to do. And I used to tell a story about how, uh, you know, I I, I really like machines. You know, I did, I've always liked machines ever since I was a kid. There's something really interesting really engaging with machines and i was the i was the kid in the 1980s that knew how to program the video recorder you know had read the manual and you know all the kind of cryptic messages that they used to flash up when uh, they were all seven segment displays i knew it all you know and i so um i so yeah i kind of uh it's a segue from that really to kind of well, have you ever seen the, the, those kind of uh, uh, apocalyptic films where the machines take over, you know, and the humans are driven underground and, uh, you know, are fighting for their very existence against these newly intelligent machines? And I used to say, well, actually, because... Because the machines and I get on quite well in that post-apocalyptic future, I'd probably be fine. You know, the, the machines would pop round, we'd have a cup of tea. You know, we'd have a nice conversation. <laughs> so, and I, I, don't know, I, as I as I as I said, you know, made jokes like that. I started to think, well, there's a grain of truth in that, you know. I really do like machines and I really do feel like machines like me, you know, and if they do, what does that say about me? Does that, actually, is that a good thing to be that kind of, have that kind of an affinity with an inanimate object? Doesn't that, isn't that actually a problematic personality trait rather than, you know, does that mean I'm less lovable as a result rather than uh, more interesting at dinner parties? You know, so that was that kind of, it was that to, it was that uh, thought process, really, that was behind machines like me, and uh, just kind of me lying in bed, dreaming about these things, and kind of imagine, You know, it, it was that that me having that conversation with myself that was the was the
2: inspiration for that song. And I don't mean this in a in, in an unfair way, but but when I I heard that song specifically, oh, so don't say it then. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, I an mean uh, unfair way, but that song's shit. No, no, no. I don't mean anything <laughs> about the song. <laughs> That'd be a fun part of this interview, wouldn't it? by the way, it's crap um where where do we go from here? No I started thinking about Damon's album Lonely press play and 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 how I guess you know you all were probably just kind of dipping from the same well, which is understandable. you've known each other forever and you're probably doing it but but it but it gets to that point like do, do you notice those moments um do you try to stay away from on a record like this anything that has to be associated with blur or or, or whatever?
1: It wasn't a conscious process, really. What I tried to stay away from was being predictable. Um, So that turned out to be problematic in itself. I mean, how can you... It's like... It's a bit of a paradox, really. Um, How can you be unpredictable? If you... People know that, presumably, that that's what I would try and do. So being unpredictable would be being predictable. So I wrapped myself up in in knots on that one, really, uh, until finally I thought, well, actually... What people are going to expect is some kind of drummy thing some kind of rock thing possibly you know some kind of some something of, something that maybe sounds a bit dry and worthy maybe ranting about the labor party or something you know well that, that none of that interests me so actually it's going to be quite straightforward what i really enjoy about music is a good tune and uh you know all the songs I'd written had had what I considered to be great tunes. So I thought actually, I uh, just let's just go go with the flow and see see where this goes. And that took a lot of the pressure off me, really. As I say, my studio doesn't have. I do own a guitar, and so there's some guitar on the record, but it's, it's certainly not a guitar album. If if anything, it's a synthesizer album. Really, I guess synthesizer and found sound album. Which makes it sound like the most boring album ever, ever made, doesn't it? Really, I think we should we shouldn't write that on the sticker on the sleeve. Really, a synthesizer found sound album, with no drums. But uh, you know, it actually turned out to be turned out to be fairly easy for it to be nothing, nothing like Blur. I didn't I didn't have to work at that at all, and I need I you know I needn't to worried anyway. To to make a blur a blur sounding album, you need four people. A specific four people at that so you know having having just one of those doesn't mean you can make an album that sounds like blur
2: well you'll get that uh i guess back in your life again soon and, and and i hope you know i i would love to ask just a couple things about that because because again here you have this record and then here you have the resurgence of this other big part of your life coming back which a few of us have been waiting for for a little while whose idea was this and and how did it get started the the reunion
1: yeah I suppose it, it's seven years since we last played together, so it probably is, you probably can call it a reunion now, can't you? But uh, the idea came about because we were offered the chance to play Wembley Stadium, and that was some time ago, or the idea was floated that uh, Wembley Stadium might be available. Um, as I say, it was a few years ago now and that the, the COVID pandemic intervened to... Uh, to uh, you know make that actually seem rather unlikely but because we're we're a band who have done most of what it's possible to do as a band and about you know we don't really like to repeat ourselves particularly it doesn't seem like you're moving forward if you're repeating yourself so where possible we sort of avoid that so we're always looking for something new and interesting to do and uh when somebody comes up with a new and interesting idea, that's when we our kind of ears prick up and we 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 start to consider it and yeah Wembley Stadium is one of the few sort of landmark venues really that we haven't played, you know most of those most of those venues that are on the album sleeves of your kind of hero bands growing up, you know like Madison Square garden and you know the, the Hollywood Bowl and those kind of things. We've done we've done all of those. You know, Glaston, headlining in Glastonbury. We've done that three times. You know, so I'm not saying I'm not, not going to gloating over that. I'm just saying realistically, if somebody was to say, you had fancy, fancy, fancy headlining Glastonbury?" Well, you know, we've done that. It's very, not saying we would turn it down, but it, it, it wouldn't be the kind of uh, thing that would sort of tempt us out to start with. I don't think. Um, I hope nobody from Glastonbury is listening though, because definitely, definitely <laughs> interesting. Just in case you are, they're still definitely interesting. But um, so yes, Wembley Stadium though was something we'd never done, and it hasn't been many, you know, it's been fairly recently that 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 a, stay, a, a gig of that size has been a feasible feasible option for us. You know, we've we, we've never played anywhere that big before. You know, on, on in a solo show. So, um, uh, and we weren't really sure whether that people would be that interested. It has been quite a while, you know. P- people have moved on. There are other bands now out there, apparently. I don't know who they are, but there are some other bands. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it w- wasn't entirely clear that people were going to be interested enough to to sell all the tickets for it. So, and anyway, the, yeah, as soon as the the idea was mooted. It soon became it became impossible to do, and then when the when the pandemic receded, I don't think it's over yet. But when it receded, things started opening up again. There was this massive backlog of people wanting to go on tour, and there was a huge, enormous waiting list for all of these venues and for festivals. And everything. it was just impossible to get on any bills. And Wembley is run as a, a, as a football stadium, so football takes precedence. Again, it just didn't seem very likely there was going to be any more dates for for where bands could play, and the whole thing just seemed like a nice idea, but it could be unlikely to me. So, And I'm normally the glass-half-full kind of person, but anyway, so it's been on the back burner for years, to be honest, <laughs> literally years. <laughs> And, uh, you know, the more the years rolled by, the more I thought, oh, well, you know, it's a nice idea, though. And then all of a sudden, everything everything came together. Suddenly a date was available and, like, frantic phone calls. Do you want to do it or not? Of course I do bloody want to do it. Well, I never said I didn't want to do it. So I thought it was unlikely. And,
2: <laughs> and but, it was, uh, but but for a gig to bring you out, and, and that's completely understandable, as you're saying, it's got to be something interesting to bring you out, but but you know as you're saying is it just And I I know what I'm eventually getting to the question here is will there also be music but could that have been the idea as well that you know if somebody pokes out whether you know Damon Graham or whoever and and says hey I got some songs like is that part of how you all work as well? Yeah it could have been that
1: yeah somebody had an interesting idea like the last album that that album for example you know came about really by accident. We were in Hong Kong. We had a week off in Hong Kong. We all decided rather than go on holiday, we would make some music for a week. And, uh, so, you know, we went in thinking, well, you know, what's the worst that could happen? If we don't get anything out of it, we'll have at least played our instruments, we'll, you know, have a bit of fun. And, you know, at the end of the week, there, voila, there was this kind of album's worth of material. So, yeah, when, when, we, when we came back, you know, and Probably about a couple of years later, it has to be said. But when we came back, we uh, knocked it into some kind of shape, and yeah, that was the thing that motivated us. You know, we, we were really proud of it. What we'd end up doing, and that—that that was the thing that motivated us to get out and play some shows. Yeah. So yeah, it does work the other way around as well.
2: Well, that's a you know when you when you look at what it means to be in blur in twenty twenty two twenty twenty three, you know like. You hear about the gang mentality of when you start out. When you're young, you have the gang mentality and the band as a band. And of course, as you grow older, other things become a part of it. But but how much of that is there? How much of the gang mentality still exists in Blur to make you all say, "Yes, let's make this new record."
1: Yeah, the the once we're all together, you know, anything's possible. The, the the making the music part of it has always been the easy bit. It's been the kind of everything around that that's been the difficult bit. So yeah, it, as I say, once we're all back together. All bets are off. Who knows what's going to happen?
2: I mean you're going to be rehearsing anyway that's uh, exactly. I expect
1: <laughs> well what normally ha- we normally do do something and we'm not making any promises. I'm not saying anything that people don't already know. We normally do write some new material, and the reason is this the, we normally have a month in the in the rehearsal studios to rehearse. We normally need about a week and then we end up with three weeks where we go we're totally to carry on rehearsing. We're fine. You know, what should we do instead? And uh, shall we go on holiday or shall we make some new music? OK, let's make some new music is the, the way the thinking usually goes. So it wouldn't surprise me if that happened again. But as I say, that, that's just what normally happens. That's how, how uh, various bits of music have arisen over the course of various tours. So if that, if that were to happen again, it wouldn't surprise me.
2: Well, in the meantime, you get your hands full with radio songs, which uh, again, Dave, is such a fantastic record. And uh, and I've got some of the clips of you doing this live. Um, I would love to see some of this live and, and you don't have to wait for a Wembley date to do it. I mean, you're you're going to be touring on this for a bit as well, correct?
1: Yeah, well, I've got exactly one show in the diary now. I did three shows uh, in the UK, really as a kind of dipping my toe in the water to see how and if it would work live. And it worked live very well. So... Um, i've got a show in east london on the uh, at rough trade east on the day of release which is 20th of january then i was musing on the idea of doing a festival tour in the summer but some other project came along and snafooed those festivals so that probably won't be happening now but uh yeah definitely half a much of the point of this record really is to have something to tour when Blur aren't touring because it, waiting seven years between your performances is too much for me. <laughs> and, you know, playing live is the, is the, is the bit that makes all the other stuff worthwhile, really. That's the thing that I enjoy the most um, as a musician. So yeah, the, the point of this is to tour. Um, so yes, over the, the next few years I'm going to be touring this a lot.
2: A thousand miles, that's what you can put on the uh, uh, and beyond, I'm sure, on the uh, <laughs> Yeah, on thousand the miles
1: <laughs> Yeah
2: If I only saw 50 miles
1: will people ask for their money back? That's the question
2: I'll be there to see it Yeah <laughs> Dave, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to talk about it I love this album, I really do Thank you. Thank you very much. good to talk to you. And my thanks to David Roundtree. The new album, the uh, debut solo album is called Radio Songs. Big thanks to you as well for checking out the episode. Again, please do hit that subscribe button so you can keep up with all the interviews that we put out every single week. It's a new one every Monday, Wednesday and Friday at iTunes and Apple Podcasts. It's Spotify and Podchaser, NPRWFPK.org, YouTube for the video versions or again, anywhere you get your podcasts from. Subscribe to Kyle Meredith with. Then after that, head over to wfpk.org. It's where I do a show Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern. An hour full of song premieres and music news, anniversary spins, bonus interviews. That's Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern at wfpk.org. Consequence has your music and film news. You can also find me on the old social media spots, uh, Twitter, instagram facebook all three of them it's at kyle meredith so do hope you like and follow along that does it for another edition i'm kyle meredith i'll see you next time Consequence Podcast Network. My uh, reading of numbers
1: leaves something to be aside. I'm okay with the letters, but the numbers are really confusing.
0: It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at wfpk.org from Louisville Public Media.